0: Hey. Hey. Hi. What's up? Um, I want to know who we're talking to today. Today we're talking to Hannah Machowski. She's a PhD candidate in psychology at the University of Stanford.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh so how is this relevant
0: to our bad faith cycles? So Hannah is a psychologist and as a researcher, she is examining she is examining the priming effects of social media use and addiction surveys. How did you hear about Hannah? I was drawn to Hannah based on a paper that she published that kind of discounts a lot of the major narratives surrounding social media addiction discourse. Hmm. And what Hannah's work suggests is that the priming effects, that is to say, the structure of a survey or a questionnaire really impacts the outcomes of the research. And that because of this, not only do we need to be more wary about how we go about doing research on social media use and social media addiction in the future, but we also need to revisit a lot of the claims made over the past half decade or so.
1: That sounds super interesting. I'm very excited to hear this conversation.
0: Great, let's get it started. Hi, Hannah, thank you for meeting with me today. I'm drawn to you through your paper the title is Priming Effects of Social Media Use Scales on Well-Being Outcomes. But first things first, can you introduce yourself, talk about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. Um, So yeah, I'm Hannah Mischkowski. I'm a fourth year PhD candidate in the Department of Communication at Stanford University. I work in the social media lab. So a lot of my work revolves around media psychology more broadly. So I'm interested in things like how do different social technologies influence the way that we think about and talk to each other. And I'm also um, broadly interested in sort of how we measure and conceptualize social media use.
0: Yeah, I think it's such important work, especially at the moment that we're in right now. Now, I'm not a techno nihilist, but it's like the seemingly inevitable digital integration just needs to be something that we be careful of. We can't completely avoid pessimistic narratives. So tell me about this paper on the priming effects of social media well-being research.
1: Sure. So yeah, the initial sort of motivation was that my colleagues and I in the social media lab did this meta-analysis a couple of years ago. And a meta-analysis is sort of looking at a broad range of studies that are all about the same sort of topics. So we were interested in papers that were looking at social media use and well-being. So after looking at all of these papers for for this meta-analysis, something that we noticed in the results of that were that when People were responding to these social media use scales. Some of them focused a fair bit on these more like addictive qualities, like do you feel dependent on social media? Do you feel some sort of symptoms of withdrawal when you're not using it? That sort of thing. We noticed when that papers that were relying on these sorts of scales seem to have more negative impacts on people's well-being, but we didn't really see the same result when. Uh, other studies who weren't focusing on these more like addictive qualities, we didn't see as much of that sort of negative well-being outcomes, right? So we were, we thought that was pretty uh, strange, right? Because they're they're just they're just questions, and so one thing that uh, people focus on when they do researchers who are interested in survey methodology, this sort of well-known finding in survey methodology is called priming, and priming is the idea of when earlier questions on a survey, your answers to those earlier questions might influence your response to later questions in the survey. So we were curious to find out if this sort of priming phenomenon was happening in the case of these different types of social media use scales. So in order to do that, we set up two experiments. Um, the I guess the TLDR of the experiments is in the first study we had people either answer these more like intensity focused questions that are asking, like, you know, how many friends do you have on social media? How much time do you spend on it? How connected do you, do you feel to the platform? So these are these more intensity focused questions. So some of the participants answered those and then answered questions about we chose to study self reported depression. And then another condition participants answered these more addiction based questions that I was talking about earlier. And then they answered the depression questions as well. And in the final condition, which we used as a control, they didn't uh, answer any social media use related questions. They just answered questions about their self-reported depression. And so the results of those studies, uh, uh, we found that actually people who answered these um, addiction based questions first reported higher depression symptoms than people who answered the intensity based questions. Um, so that does suggest that there's sort of this priming phenomena going on where the earlier questions are influencing responses to the later questions. And so you, you might wonder, okay, well, what happens when you switch the order of the questions and you put the depression questions first? So that's what we did for the second study. So we had a couple of different conditions there. One was answer the depression questions, then intensity questions. Next one was no depression questions, just intensity questions. Third one was depression questions, then addiction questions. And then the last condition was no depression questions, just the addiction questions. And so when we set it up like that, we sort of flipped the script from the first one. We found that actually when you answer these depression questions first, it doesn't really seem like it has any effect on the responses to the later questions. So there weren't any differences in people's intensity. Social media use intensity responses between different conditions. Wasn't any differences between the, um, the addiction-based question conditions. And then also people didn't report any sorts of differences in their depression symptoms. So it seems like having the well-being questions, these depression questions first mitigated this priming effect, essentially.
0: What's your overall finding here what does the paper say Mm -hmm.
1: yes so the over the overall finding is that questions that are asked about your social media use when you're asking them before well-being questions they may have an effect on the well-being questions so essentially you may you may be getting sort of these biased responses on your well-being questions if you have social media use questions before them However, if you flip it and put the well-being questions first, it seems like that effect is mitigated.
0: So Hannah, in your humble opinion, are our social media accounts making us depressed?
1: Yes, yes, the big question, right? And the answer I'm going to give probably might make you a little angry, which is more that we just don't really have good evidence for the answer to that question yet because sort of as i've noted in in this interview there's these issues with self report questions which by and large is what researchers have been asking to measure social media use and then make claims about how it impacts well-being a lot a lot of the lot of the studies in that in this space have sort of been using that methodology and we're coming to find out that that's probably not going to give us the best answers so Unfortunately, my answer to your question right now is we don't have a great idea, but I think if we start to turn our focus to these more nuanced questions, like, like how do you actually feel about your social media use? That, there's been some early work suggesting that that might have a pretty big impact on your well-being. What sort of content are you seeing? Cause you're probably gonna feel a little bit better looking at cats than looking at maybe <laughs> Ah, uh, people fighting with your cousins on Facebook. That seems like it would have a different effect on well-being. You know, there's there's a lot of different really exciting avenues that we can go forward with in terms of answering these questions. I would just I would just say we're not there yet, but we're headed there.
0: No, well, it doesn't make me angry at all. It just tells me that science is still in progress, and that's good science. Particularly when some of these claims, Are put forth by the leaders in this field and they're sweeping claims strong claims particularly one researcher who has gained fame sort of through these publications but maybe infamy in the academy through her methods so can you talk about your thoughts on Jean Twenge or Twenge I'm not sure how you say her name yeah I'm also not sure how
1: to pronounce the last name. I think my, my, my opinions there are not really dissimilar from just like researchers relying on these methods in general is it, it gives us using these sort of like self-report measures to associate with different well-being outcomes does give us a picture of what sort of these true results may be, but I don't get, think it gives us the full picture. And I think sometimes making these sweeping sort of statements can lose that really important nuance. And I think in the nuance is actually where we can sort of make these interventions or make better policy, that sort of thing. I don't I'm, I don't think generally like policies or interventions that rely just on like reducing screen time or these digital detoxes sort of more broadly. I think they're missing some of that nuance and that i'm i'm not sure if that's actually like the most helpful avenue we could go in
0: yeah earlier you'd mentioned the difference between a social media user's feeling about using social media depending on the type of content that they're interacting with so what do you know about how screen time and the content seen on screen impact someone's well-being because i know some friends who experience clinical depression yet i've also seen their screen time and they spend like i'm not kidding six to seven hours on their phones a day just scrolling doom and scrolling I've yes. heard of doom <laughs> scrolling you know where people are surrounded by content that makes them anxious and they keep on scrolling because the feed prompts you to do that
1: an important point, actually, that I haven't mentioned yet, but that that is becoming sort of more more of an interesting question to look at in this space, is that we, at present, we're sort of gaining more evidence to learn about the like causal relationship between social media use and well-being. Which, um, in order to sort of get that causal causal information, you need to look at people over a longer period of time, sort of account for changes in well-being and social media use. But one thing that I find really interesting is that it might not be that there's, you know, screen time or social media use generally is sort of causing increases in depression or just negative well-being more generally. It is possible that maybe they're not feeling very well, you know, they're feeling more of these depressive symptoms or other sort of negative mental health outcomes and that might be driving them to spend more time on social media it's and I think that's sort of another really big important question to answer because again if we sort of gain more information about that relationship we can more effectively create interventions or policy to help people who need it the most
0: do you have any best practice recommendations for people that are using social media like how do you use social media in a healthy safe positive way
1: yeah, I think, um, I think a really big aspect of like why I do enjoy a lot of social media platforms is that I think it's really important to keep that that sort of mindset or belief that you do have control over, you know, what you want to see, what you want to do, how much time you want to spend. I think even though even me, myself, I haven't always felt like that. Coming back to that idea that like you're in control. You can use um, social media the way that you want to in order to, you know, increase, decrease whatever you want to do with your well-being. You know, like I think uh, I think retaining that sort of just I, I idea that you have agency is really going to bring about the best outcome sort of regardless of the context.
0: A lot of what I've been thinking about recently is this question of choice, because I think that personalized content, not so much personalized ads but personalized content itself like it it erases this existentialist question around choice and control and agency in digital space could you draw this out a little bit more the connection between where the human subject has agency in an algorithmically mediated environment
1: yes i i that's that's the that's another big question and although uh Although my research is sort of less about like the sort of algorithmic recommendations on different platforms and that sort of thing. I think, I think really where the the fight against our own agency is, is sort of trying to resist any sorts of content or outcomes that we don't want that are sort of being, what's the right word I want to use here? It's not pushed, but that's the only word I can come up with right now, because um, sort of larger tech companies are definitely, as we know by now, incentivized to create profit. And one way that they do that is to just continue to show us content that they think that we want to see. So definitely the um, the agency bit and retaining your agency, your choice is not, it's not easy, especially when confronted with sort of this like, never-ending hunger for cash, but but I think, so two things there, I think it is important to sort of have this mindset or these beliefs around that, like what you can control and what you can't control and sort of just holding fast to that. And I also think, and this is a much broader and probably a whole nother topic of conversation, that regulation in the tech industry is like the next massive step that we need to take
0: great well thank you so much hannah
1: yes thank you this was great Uh,
0: this was fantastic i think the work that you're doing is really important thank you so yeah i look forward to see what you'll be up to next and i hope that we can talk again we should stay in touch yeah thanks again to hannah for joining me today as always i hope that you got something out of this podcast Next week for another episode of the Bad Faith Cycles. Take care.